Welcome back to another episode of the Float Universe Podcast. Hope you're out there doing all right. Tonight's guest is more of the theme of the reflected audience. Uh, I think this person's followed me for a bit. I know I've, I've had them on the follow for uh, for quite some time. I've been doing this account now, close to 10 years on Instagram. And I've connected with a lot of interesting people. And this year I wanted to, like I said, reflect back uh, at the audience. Because that's what the meme page was about. It was about that reflected reality that we all share, uh, the mirrors that we encounter day to day. And we don't talk enough about floating on this podcast, especially since I don't live in a float center anymore. So it's always nice to talk about floating. And I could talk about it until I'm blue in the face, but it's always nice to talk to uh, somebody who knows about floating. And it's not a, a brand new novelty. And I'm hoping that's the case with tonight's guest. But the truth is, I don't really know. That's all. You're getting, as much as I've done a little bit of research tonight, uh, we'll see what it's all about. So welcome, uh, Float Girl. That's me. Thank you so much for having me. And you are more than welcome to call me Alyssa. Um, but Float Girl is nice too. Okay, good. I I prefer to be anonymous, relatively speaking, but I can appreciate uh, being known as well. So welcome, Alyssa. So how long have you been, how long have you been floating for? So I have been floating about four years and I believe the person, we might have a mutual friend, a mutual connection. The person that got me into floating is Matt Kay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. From East coast. Uh, he and I had known each other. It feels like in a previous life we had lived sort of this corporate life side by side. And I ran into him just by chance or the way anything can be by chance. And, uh, he just looked so transformed. He really looked like just such an amazing version of himself. And I was, of course I said, you know, how have you been? What have you been doing? And, um, he let me know about his float spot and very graciously allowed me to to come in and check it out and that was about four years ago and probably very similar to your situation once you try it you just can't go back to this version of not knowing well yeah if you're lucky i have a lot of people that try it and they don't and not not on my watch but i've had a lot of people try floating and maybe they didn't eat the right thing before or they had their expectations <laughs> too high but they don't they were one and done Really? Uh, yeah, but for me, it was it was the same thing. I had to, I get out and I'm like, I don't care how much it costs. What's the membership? I got to do this right. as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So 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 you ran across Matt, which is one of my names, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't go by that one, but that's one of my names, Matthew. Mm-hmm. So you run into Matt, and that gets your float journey started. Like he brings mm-hmm. you into the world. Yeah, so absolutely. You, you, you floated your first in a was it a room or a pod in a room yes and i've tried a pod once or twice but i will say i do prefer the cabin experience i think it's ideal for you know temperature regulation and just i'm okay i'm five foot nothing so i don't need the space but it feels very luxurious to be able to stand up and spread out and rotate and all those things i do like the cabins I've never personally been in a cabin. I would think I prefer a lot of humidity and I, I would imagine mm-hmm. it takes the rooms a little bit longer to be as humid as you'd want them. Um, but it, 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 it's a very tricky thing. Keeping those things regulated at a certain temperature. And, and then you've got, you know, random people coming in with different 
states of body and, and, uh, you know, some people run hot, some people run cold. So, Mm -hmm. you know, 93.5, which is what it's supposed to be kept at, isn't really, you know, it could be a little bit too hot, too, too cold. I think it's perfect. I prefer a little bit on the colder end because what will happen is I'm sure you know this, you lay there and you get a nice pocket of water around you that becomes heated with your own body temperature. Mm -hmm. So it's actually preferred to be, I think just a little tiny bit under, 93.5 93.5 Fahrenheit. That's the preferred. So how many times do you think you floated at this point? Oh, I'm not even sure. At, at least 250 hours. Now, are, I, are those all at commercial centers or did you finally end up investing in your own? I have not invested in my own. Part of the reason that I started the blog is because I'd love to document and learn and journey toward owning a center myself. So I've held off on pulling the trigger, although I would love to just be able to walk down in my basement and pop into one. Um, I do have a lot of great friends that allow me to come and promote their space. And, uh, you know, of course, I do want to pay them. So it's not like trading a review for free floats, but there's there's actually a decent amount of really good places in the Philadelphia area where I am. So I just kind of hop Philadelphia, very nice. Um, mm-hmm. Have you done all 250 hours at that? I mean, not, you haven't done them all at that one float center. Have you traveled? Okay, so what's the deal with, okay, so you float, you like it, and then you decide to do, what is this float girl thing online? So that is the blog, and it's sort of what you touched on a moment ago. Sometimes you have people that are hesitant to come in. Sometimes they're one and done because they didn't really know what to expect, and they're a little turned off because they felt like they went in unprepared and were met with something that took them out of their comfort zone so much in a way that they're just you know concerned about going back to it. So through floating at East Coast Float Spot, where uh, you know Matt's establishment, I fell in love with it so dearly, but I knew that a big barrier for so many people that I wanted to talk to about was they were like, I I just don't get it. You know, thanks so much, hippie girl. That sounds awesome. I'm so happy for you. Um, I, I don't really understand it and I don't care to take the risk and try it. So I said, you know, maybe if I had an opportunity to just put some of my thoughts out in words and just launch them to these people so it doesn't feel so foreign and uncomfortable, maybe I can get them in. And I felt like in this moment, the best way to do that is to promote the places that I go that I know are very quality float centers. And again, the ultimate goal is to one day either figure out a way to align with all of these float centers and make myself valuable in a way that I could potentially monetize and live this as my life fully or open a center myself. And I know that the people that are doubtful, if I could potentially put something in front of them, you know, different testaments of, you know, places that I know are great, they might be more open to trying it themselves. So that's the impetus for the blog, as well as one of the benefits that I've gotten out of floating is, um, you know, writing has always been a creative outlet for me. And so I just use it as a purely creative, just a fun way to release some of my my feelings. Yeah, it's uh, what's the primary reason you're floating at this point? Uh, for creativity, I would say. I had a mean writer's block for years, years. Uh, 
and and that has really been able to release i just do not have an easy time of sinking into any sort of meditative reflective state on my own i would say that despite what i may want for myself my operating system tends to run anxious and i recognize that now and it's something that i can slowly work towards but it's very difficult for me on a day-to-day basis to sink into a level of relaxation that will allow creative thought um but once i found floating it seemed nearly effortless yeah and and i didn't get a chance to really give a great explanation before we started talking about it assuming everybody knows what we're talking about but there might be somebody that might be driving right now and can't look it up on the phone don't know what the hell i'm talking about floating uh you're in a thousand pounds give or take uh epsom salt a couple hundred gallons of water uh heated to 93 and a half degrees fahrenheit it becomes extremely buoyant you're laying naked more than likely mm-hmm. and this cocoon womb type sensation and i i tell people I mean, I lived at a float center for two years, so the whole point was to get to a point where you couldn't tell where the body ended and the water began, right? You just, the the temperature of your body, the skin, the water, and then the air temperature, the humidity, um, that was also, I learned being a float uh, center operator for two years, that air running over the top of the body, even the slightest bit can bring you back into body consciousness, so... Mm Yeah, to be in a cocoon of like, because uh, we certain people would float for the first time and they'd leave the lid open or something. I'm like, that's great. Do whatever mm, you want. But yeah. you might feel a gust of air come over the, the top of your naked body and that will mm-hmm. pull you back. So, yeah, if you get in there and you if you get lucky and it's not going to happen every time, too. So people have sky high expectations of what to expect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you've done a great job with your blog. I looked at it today and thank you. there's not enough float content. I, I, you know, I'm glad that your story isn't, you got inspired by Joe Rogan. <laughs> I do listen to Joe Rogan, but yeah, you're right. That seems to be the running tagline for marketing for every split float spa. And I wish, you know, at this point they can divert to other, there's so many multifaceted yeah. benefits. It's like, okay. Come on, what else it, you got? It's a hard sell, though. I mean, it really yeah. is. Because meditation's free, mm-hmm. and it's hard to, some of that woo stuff and, and getting naked and laying in water that somebody else laid in before you. There's there's a lot of mental barriers for people I've come to uh, learn. I personally wouldn't want to own a float center again. Mm-hmm. I would like to have something private that I could let my friends use from time to time. Yeah. But, you know, it's a thankless job. There's not a lot of money in it. I have I have yet to meet somebody that's gotten rich from it. So, I mean, yeah. I don't, that's obviously not your reasons for doing it. But, you know, you do want to have a comfortable life. You don't want to, you know, right. the, the price of salt, that's not a fixed cost. That always goes up and up, you know, like anything else mm-hmm. right now. It's, it's you know, uh, market forces and, you know, supply line shutdowns. And the next thing you know, your, your, your price of salt's doubled. And then yeah. there's the, the human element. Like I did a float center for two years and I prayed to God every day that nobody would slip and fall. And I never did. Thank mm. God. I'm, I'm, but it's just so easy to do. You know, I've, 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 I mean, I lived there for basically two years, but I'd say in two years of cleaning rooms and running around that place, I probably fell on my ass probably about at least 10 times, <laughs> at, at least 10 <laughs> times or, right. or, or hit my knees the wrong way or something. You know, you just, that salt is super duper slippery, especially on the right. wrong surface. So, yeah. And, and, and then you, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and then even just the minimal negative uh, review, if somebody gets salt in their eyes, it's like they just trash you. 
you know, as a business right. owner, that's got to be so difficult to manage all of the the unforeseeable situations. Well, see, that was another thing that bothered me. Was I would host the perfect float, but you know, somebody got dragged in a floating that didn't want to do it, didn't know what it was mm-hmm. about, and just rated it based on the fact that you know it wasn't, even though it was a gold standard of a float being offered because of the attitude and all that. You know, you couldn't even begin to crack the code on it because it's a, yeah. it does involve stillness. You can't be touching yourself. I, the number one rule, I don't know what your number one rule for floating. What's your number one rule for floating? Oh, it's don't touch your face. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say, don't touch your eyes is, is mine. Yeah. It's basically the same thing, but yeah, if you get an itch on your face, that's why I advise people. I'm like, look, take the, take a shower before you get there. Don't take mm-hmm. the pre-shower. Just get yeah. in there dry because mm-hmm. if you get a shower, especially if you get your hair wet and stuff, you have a much, a much higher likelihood of, getting the water just dripping in your face before you even yeah. get in or, or, or taking too hot of a shower mm-hmm. and then you're, you start to sweat and that's the sweat. You know, you want to touch your face. You feel it. You want to itch. You want to scratch. And then in the course of touching your face, the salt water finds its way into your eye. And there's very mm-hmm. few people that can sit there for 15 minutes and, <laughs> put, put, and can push through that. I usually get out. I usually say, you know what? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I, I'm good at getting in and out with making it much worse, but you can get out of the tank and make it way worse. Hmm. So th- the another tip is when you wake up, slowly keep your head tilted backwards so you don't like, like don't lean your head forwards when you wake up because mm-hmm. all that salt water can come dripping down your forehead and your nose and into your eye. Yeah, there's a lot of rules, oh. right? If you don't get it right, right if you if, if some if one of the variables are off or like for example, there's construction going on at the the suite next door, like the the business, uh, you know, whatever plaza has construction going on. And mm-hmm. it, you just hear knocking the whole time. So mm-hmm. th- there's lots of little things that can be like, you know what? I've won one and done mm-hmm. or, or an hour isn't enough. Right. So I don't know about you. I've severe, I had severe neck and back issues before I started floating and it really helped tremendously, not only in relieving the pain, but helping me find the actual cause of it, which long story short led to something called Atlas orthogonal. My, mm-hmm. my, my, my C1 vertebrae was out of alignment and that knocks everything else underneath it out of alignment as well so but floating we were able to discover that issue well i mean well first i'm laying in the tank initially as a very unconscious person and uh, i mean very unconscious not connected to my body at all just like a very npc life a hedonistic lifestyle just having a good time not worried about too much and just okay unconscious so i lay in the tank and it takes a few floats to really realize that as i'm laying there certain parts of my body won't like relax so my one, one, one of my shoulder, like one side of my, my left side of my shoulder was like all up towards my ear and my right shoulder would relax fully, but I couldn't get my left shoulder to relax at all. Mm. And I'm like, this is interesting. I go, it won't like just relax on its own. It kind of just wants to hang there. I go, it wasn't really in pain, but I go, this ain't right. Mm-hmm. And so long story short, and it, it was like LSD and DMT always asking, because I realized there was a spiritual solution to this to this physical problem but i needed to solve the spiritual solution to untangle the physical part because what i learned also floating was it's all downstream from the mind and, and belief mm-hmm. systems and, and and everything reality coalesces uh downstream from that into whatever it is ultimately uh person to person and yeah i was able to through floating in psychedelics understand the spiritual component of how my neck got that way and then through the realization of that, it led to the the door of the Atlas orthogonal healing, which was revealed to me on DMT. The DMT was mm-hmm. like, okay, 
we acknowledge that you have traveled very far to understand this issue and how it's you know built up in your body and life over time karmically and mm-hmm. now that now that you understand the lesson you will now receive the healing but you will not receive the healing during the dmt trip you'll receive the healing you know in the outer reality you know when you leave this space you know mm-hmm. in, in in the time to come and i think it was like a day or two later i like i said i found the atlas orthogonal mm-hmm. and that really fixed a lot of the neck and because my whole theory was too you're not going to have an enlightenment experience if your spine isn't as straight as possible. Like the, the straighter, okay. the, the straighter, the better. Mm-hmm. So I was always like, you know, man, this is all banged up because I've been in a lot of car accidents. I played basketball, taking a lot of hits to the head. I'm a tall guy. I lived in Japan. I would hit my head on like the, <laughs> like, like a normal door here is like seven foot tall in Japan. It's mm-hmm. like six. So I'm six, five. I always would misjudge things and smash my head on stuff so my body was pretty banged up and floating revealed all of that that was out of whack and through and again i i had before floating i was already on the spiritual journey of trying to understand how to unfuck my life Mm -hmm. and floating was just part of that journey but it was a huge part of it and and and, and although, although i haven't done it in a long time like well actually a couple months but a lot like i was doing it i was floating like two or three times a day at one point Mm -hmm. but anyway enough about me uh, well, you just inspired a question in me. Sure, do sure. You, do you believe you came into this world sort of carrying the karmic weight of the generations before you, or was it all incurred sort of on this uh, go around? No, I think that there is some stuff, not necessarily from my ancestors, but my own personal life prior to this that I'm somehow working out in this life as well mm-hmm. as, you know, taking on potentially more karma, which I'm trying not to do. Right. I mean, I, I go through, I go with my desires, which aren't much in terms of a relative person in the same spiritual, or I'm sorry, in the same material realm of like, you know, gold and women and drugs mm-hmm. and sex and rock and roll and, mm-hmm. you know, materialism and, and hedonism. I don't have too much desire for that world, especially I realized, and this happens to anybody on a spiritual path, when they get enough of the, enough of a taste of it, they want that way more that sweet taste of God than whatever, you know, vain, empty pursuit prior to that. It's like, sure. oh, wait, you know, you, you, ha- you have a peak. I call it a, um, what, what do I call it? You're having like a peak experience, whether it's on drugs or whether it's through grace. Sure. Um, and then you have some realization and through that realization, like I got to get back here. Mm, and, and, mm-hmm. and you know, and you know, on ass and stuff, it's just okay. It's a possibility, but you got to get there. You got to get back there naturally. You can't depend on acid for your happiness, obviously. So you got to learn how to climb that ladder. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the acid and stuff just shows you it's a possibility. I think, mm-hmm. and it also acid. The big, the big takeaway from acid is the interconnectedness of all things. You know, oneness. However, you want to describe that. Mm-hmm. What's your experience with psychedelics? I am moderately experienced with psychedelics. I have not tried DMT. I was going to ask you. I, I I'm not opposed to it. It seems very intense intentionally. Is that mm-hmm. is that accurate? Um, I've been considering going on an ayahuasca retreat as well. That sounds not quite as ayahuasca is more daunting but yeah Yeah. oh really yeah of course Uh, dmt you could do that in your backyard and be done in 10 15 minutes and it's like (laughs) nothing happened afterwards right 
Yeah. Except for obviously whatever mind blowing thing you've just been shown. Sure. But, um, with ayahuasca, it's a it's a whole different thing. It's a quite a. Mm-hmm. I've never done it. I've never been called to undertake the journey of like purification and like it's really that's when you really want to set your intentions with and mm-hmm. work with somebody who knows what they're doing. I wouldn't go at it alone, but that's right. for sure. Um, and DMT will just walk into your life when you're ready. You don't have mm-hmm. to see, you don't have to, the truth is you don't have to seek any of this stuff out. Right. If it's in your karmic field, it'll just show up. If you, if it's, I think, yeah, especially if it's, if it's desired, whether it becomes a good or bad trip, it's the teaching was needed. For sure. So yeah, DMT will just uh, you know, as soon as you're ready for it, it's 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 on its way. I feel for you if 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 you desire, mm-hmm. if you desire right. it. Do yeah. you desire it? I do. Yeah. So you're it's right. On its I think way the then. timing will find me. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that. And it's like you touched on a moment ago. Yes, acid and different psychedelics can do this beautiful work of help transporting you to a place where you feel, you know, very connected. But you're right. There are other avenues. Sometimes I feel that way organically in the tank. And you're right. Sometimes the journey to that point uh, is the lesson itself, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, I in the middle of me doing DMT um, months. I mean, years ago, I was doing it for a couple months at a time, and I had a guy come off the beach. He was a white Sikh, like he had a turban on, but he was a white guy. Mm-hmm. And he was doing Kundalini yoga, and he's like, "Or actually, I'm like, have you ever done DMT?" He's like, "Bro, he's like, if you do what I do, he's like, you'll never." He's like, you can be on DMT naturally. I'm like, oh, all right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm sure there's truth to that. Yeah, I have a, a dear friend that is a hypnotherapist, and she is adamant that there are certain very deep breathing techniques and just meditative trances that you can put yourself into, sometimes with the help of a guide that will uh, activate, you know, hallucination or visual or, you know, that feeling of of psychedelia. Oh yeah, a hundred one hundred percent. I I, mm-hmm. I know it's a possibility. It's just the psychedelics is such a quick and easy way, but there's a price for climbing the mountain, mm. and you're usually hung over the next day energetically, one way or the other. Right. Definitely from the amphetamine type psychedelics like MDMA and LSD. I actually prefer the float tank for the post psychedelic. Um you know put yourself like back together yeah put yourself back together reminisce on it mm. it, it, it grounds you mm-hmm. one time i did such a high dose of mdma the next morning i could barely just barely put it together i, I mean i couldn't put together a coherent sentence mm-hmm. so i, I called the float center and i could uh, I, 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 it was like it was, it was like that on the phone mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And I could just barely get the guy to understand me. He was a friend of mine at the time. He still owned it. And I'm like, basically understood I needed to float. And uh, we were able to retard ourselves through the conversation. But I went and floated for an hour and a half. And I came out talking better than I've ever spoke before. So, yeah, you can really screw yourself up on MDMA and put it back together. I, I would always say... One of my dreams was, and this is not a dream anymore because I don't care, but airport, right? A float center in an airport. You got tons of time to kill. You got, boom, you can float. You are jet lagged. You just got to town. Mm. Uh, Float will put you right back 
where you need to be one hour equals four to six hours of deep rest. So yeah, a, a float can bring you right into <laughs> alignment right. with, tra with travel. That's what, but you know, to put it in an airport though, it's a considerable amount just to get in any place in the airport is a premium. Mm -hmm. And then it's, you know, the infrastructure of soundproofing a bunker in the airport, basically. Yeah. That's so interesting. You say that. So my day job is of working at an airport and being in the aviation industry is fairly new to me. I've only been there for a couple of years and just turning over this idea. So I work in, um, private aviation so you know charters and personal jets and things like that so that might be a very real possibility to people you know of that affluence i guess but you're right you haven't heard anything louder than a jet engine in you know in an adjacent hangar so logistically you're right you have to put it underground or something but yeah that's a really cool idea i mean if you could get past the sound aspect of it it'd be great because you'd, mm -hmm. you'd always have somebody that wanted to float you never because airports always busy with people mm -hmm. um and the people that have money to spend and you could charge a premium at an airport it's just yeah. Yeah, get, it's just getting in like getting in a big airport is actually really hard i looked into it like you'd have to trial your float center at a smaller airport okay and, and then you'd have to like because in these bigger airports you have to like bid and compete for the spots even if you have you, you oh. can't you can't just buy a spot in an airport mm -hmm. like, like a big like Orlando Airport, I couldn't just say, hey, Orlando Airport, I've got a million dollars I want to buy. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to like compete with other businesses. Right. Yeah. I mean, not, like not, not every mall. airport. Right. right. Not every airport. <laughs> not every, not every airport's like that. But in my experience mm -hmm. of the little research I did, mm -hmm. it was, it was a competitive space and it's expensive and they don't, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not, a, there's not a lot of possibility in big airports for like, uh, you know, brand new businesses that are on a trial, basically, you mm -hmm. know, is this even going to succeed? Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. I, I just traveled and I'm, I had hours to kill. I'm like, God, if I could just float now, I would look good. I'd feel good. And, and I would, I could just kill some time too. Oh, I remember you saying that. Yeah. Where did you travel to? If you don't mind me asking this, this time it was mall of America. Okay. You ever go to the mall of America in Minnesota? I never have. Is there a float spa in there? <laughs> There's float centers around the mall, yeah. like not like get like you'd have to drive, but no, there's mm -hmm. none in the mall. Okay. I've never seen a float center in a mall for the same reason as an airport. It's not sure. as loud, of course, but you know, your neighbors could be loud. It's foot traffic and right. ma malls are getting cheaper and cheaper to to put in. Mm -hmm. But it's just the infrastructure too. Like, yeah, 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 yes. You're, you're, you're somebody like, okay, for somebody like you that wants to get into the float business, I recommend buy a pre-existing float center. First of all, number one advice, buy a pre-existing center. Because it is a pain in the ass, especially in Florida. Uh, I don't know what state you're in. Oh, you're, you're in Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. But, you know, some of these states have really uh, archaic laws or these, like, for example, a float tank in Florida is considered a pool. So it's it's regulated like a pool, right. Even though, right? But even though it's not a pool, right? It's totally different than a pool. 100% mm -hmm. different, except it's got water in it. Mm -hmm. Like it's one person. It's like, like the, the state of Florida wants you to check for chemicals you're not even using. Like nothing can live in the Epsom salt without any of these chemicals you want me to put in already. State of Florida. Right. So it's just stupid yeah. stuff like that. Like I never put the chemicals in it because I knew it was clean. And it was like, okay, so yeah. Florida, Florida, I know more than you do. You're wrong. So there's that, right? So buy a pre-existing center because <laughs> like this one guy in Jacksonville just finally got his center to be like approved after like months and months and months of being shut down. 
um, because it wasn't, you know, he didn't go about it the right way. It wasn't, I don't know what, what it was, but they're a pain in the ass. Some of these states, how they regulate the float tanks and some people that's like a huge amount of the work just to, just to get, forget about the money and stuff, just to get in the door and in the state, say you can mail a float tank and a, AKA a pool here. Mm-hmm. So by pre-existing number one, um, what's another tip I would give to somebody yeah. that wants to get into this industry? change the name like <laughs> if you, you buy if you buy a business change the name of the business okay even like the last business i'm not going to name it but my advice in the beginning was change the name because you don't want to like i feel like that that that, that person failed uh, well we mm-hmm. bought a we bought a failure I mean, you might not necessarily be buying a failure if you're buying a successful business i mean why would they want to get out of it but yeah. if it is truly a success um you know, maybe keep the name, but usually people are selling it for a reason and it's not usually the best. Well, I'll let you in on something that nobody else knows. And, you know, it's so ironic that you speak about, you know, what's coming to you will come to you no matter what. Actually, just yesterday, someone approached me and it it was a friend and someone I've met through my float journey and blogging and things of that nature. And unfortunately, I can't go into too many details because it's not my thing to tell. But that person was like, look, I'm getting ready to retire and I'm, I'm starting to look at, you know, my options. Would you have any interest in taking this over? Um, and it's not located close to me. It would be a huge change and a relocation and rebranding, but, but yeah, so that's something that's a very real possibility for me, you know, by the end of this year. And like you said, who knows, I'd have to really check out the financials and see if that was lucrative. And if they well, that's well, thing. But, yeah. Another thing I would do. Okay. So if you are buying, if you're buying pre-existing, of course, if you're building, everybody wants to rent. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these float centers are just rented in business plazas. My advice is own the building. So, yeah. you, can do, so you can do any construction you want without, you know, needing some mm-hmm. landlord to approve. You own yeah. it. There's value there in owning a building. Um, let's see what else. Why would you like? We just, in my experience, a lot of these business I was looking at because once I got out of that other float center, I was with other people. We were looking at buying other float centers that were for sale. Okay. And and a lot of the issues were they were just upside down in their like lease. The lease was bad, like mm-hmm. the terms and all that. And then they had too many employees, stuff like that. Like you, obviously, you would just clean house probably if you took a business over but there's lots of there's, there's lots of variables and a, a ton of those variables are solved if you just buy a pre-existing center so anybody yeah. that, and this is not just for you but anybody that's listening it's awesome to like have millions of dollars and, and build whatever you want that would be cool but a lot of these float centers are compromised from the beginning right they just decided okay well you have a certain amount of money we're not going to build you know a lot of them don't have soundproof rooms and soundproofing mm-hmm. done right they just skipped right. it all together or they didn't yeah. know about it right they didn't know about it at all uh, like in the beginning like like the float center we took over it was just guys that were like excited about floating and so they just yeah. they just put two float tanks in an office you know and they didn't think about wow. humidity and salt everywhere and everything got destroyed the walls yeah. everything right they, they just got excited and they just dove right in the guy built the first tank himself like he had he homemade it the, the, it was pre-exist this float center pre-existed the regulation in the state of florida okay so oh go ahead yeah i was just gonna say that sounds like a really admirable pursuit and i have been in ho- sort of homemade tanks that have done well but that seems so intimidating to me it's like nobody it's wants that up so much you want the cleanest looking thing you can get because here's the thing yeah. what, I've, what i've learned with like literally living in a float center and, and like running it 24 hours a day in those two years was 
perception is reality. And mm-hmm. you, it, it's about, for me, it was about putting on a show for people. From the minute they got to the front door, filled out the forms, like I tried to cover every detail and made sure that, you know, if I couldn't make it perfect, I would hide it. Mm-hmm. Or, or I'd light it a certain way where you couldn't see certain things. But it's all about floating is psychological. Mm-hmm. And so the first hurdle is the psychological aspect of going somewhere, trying to get naked in a place you don't know and relax. And that's like the whole point. But if you walk in and it's the smell is off mm. or the room is just, you know, it's it's dirty. Yeah. Or, or or another thing I tried to do, and a lot of people are like, oh, I like I like the people to meet each other and mix. Uh-uh. I didn't want anybody no. to meet anybody because right. here's a, I didn't want to come out of the, first of all, I didn't want to come out of the tank and meet somebody that was waiting to float that I never met before. I just wanted to fucking float and go home, man. Let me just like yeah. chill. Or maybe on drugs or something. I don't want to see anybody. Right. And then the other aspect of that was, you know, like let's say you got a gross guy coming out of the tank, right? I mean, like he's not gross, but you know what I mean? Like it's just somebody who's big and hairy or something. And he got like mm-hmm. some neat freak petite little woman. Yeah. And and she sees that guy coming out of there. And even though the, the, the water is clean as it can get and you pass all the inspections and everything's like you could eat off the floor. Mm-hmm. He has to jump through that psychological or jump over that psychological hurdle of what happened in this tank prior to me. Sure. Now, how did you keep people separate? Did you stagger appointments? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I tried my best to make it because that was the thing. I wanted to try to make the float experience there like nobody else had ever floated there and you never saw mm-hmm. anybody else. It was your own personal float center for that hour. Yeah. That's what I really tried hard to do. And and I and I didn't do any selling. This The floats sold themselves. I never, I never had to upsell anybody anything because I was so dedicated to putting on a show. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, was, I was really dedicated to it, which is why it was so sad for me when it ended because a lot of that intangible stuff, I never will get back. You know what I mean? Like really like a five-star review every float because I was that like present and dedicated. on it. Yeah. And not only that, and the thing about floating is you better, I mean, uh, you better know how to hold space for people because a lot of times two people would come for a float. This happened a lot. For example, a woman and her daughter, I mean, the woman was like in her 60s and the daughter was probably 30, 40, in her 30s or 40s. But the mom's in there for like 20 minutes and then she gets out. And I, I could either, I could go in the back and hide, no problem. But part of me doesn't want to be run off from what I was doing. And part of me at that part of me at that point was like, you know, oh, everybody is God. Let's just love everybody and tell the truth and like really like soak into that dumb experience as much as possible. Like mm-hmm. I really gave myself to all this. And and, and 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 I say it's dumb and stuff, but it's not. And I, you know, it's true. It's just if I had my natural choice, I wouldn't be sitting there holding space for people. But it was the nature of the job. And so you have mm-hmm. to know how to sit there. And just let somebody talk and listen and, yeah. and let them be heard. So if you can't be present for people, if you can't hold space, floating, being a float center o- owner isn't for you. I'm not saying you, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying anybody listening. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's intimate. You're you're naked. You're releasing. You're letting go. I, I, you know, and people come out of there looking 10, 15 years younger. And I don't think it's just mm-hmm. because of the Epsom salt. I think it's because of some kind of thing that they've r- recognized and maybe yeah. let go of. They've, you mm-hmm. know, released somehow. Yeah, I've definitely have some had some sessions where I feel like I've found this direct line between my ego and my subconscious. And you just like, I don't know, it's it's very enticing. And you're right. Some people just get transformed and 
in an hour to two hours. It's pretty beautiful to see. Uh, I love holding space for people that I think that's one of my natural talents and something that really feeds me, you know, whether or not I had a float spa, but I'd love just probably to a fault. I'll sit there and listen to people just go on and on. And I know that that's not really pleasant for some people. Well, you know, (laughs) first of all, fix your mic real quick. What we'll do right now is I'm going to take a quick break. We'll throw it out to the break here. We'll have a little quick song and then we'll be right back (laughs) with Alyssa, a.k.a. Float Girl. of one of the country's leading medical schools. Dr. Edward Jessup, candidate for a Nobel Prize, is conducting the most dangerous experiment in the history of science. And the subject of the experiment is himself. Ask him what kind of an experience I can expect. during these blackout periods is you get the feeling of phenomenal acceleration like you're being shot out over millions billions of years time simply obliterates you guys are shooting up with an untested drug that stacks up in the brain and works in the nucleus of the cell and you don't call that dangerous now i'm asking you to put the experiment off until we understand a little more in order to minimize the risk i'm really frightened we could be screwing around with this whole genetic structure now how do we stop this We've got millions of years stored away in that computer bank we call our minds. We have got trillions of dormant genes in us, our whole evolutionary past. Perhaps I've tapped into that. He may be on to something that is beyond our own comprehension. Now, because I believe him, I want this thing stopped. The hell is that? You okay? If you love me, if you love me, Eddie, get fired! Altered States. All right, we're back with Alyssa, aka Float Girl, or Float Girl Official on Instagram. Right, Somebody where, where, had taken Float Girl, so I funny, saw that. So well, <laughs> I, I typed it in assuming it was you, and I'm like, this isn't her. And what's frustrating is that person very clearly never uses it. I even tried to reach out, just plead a case, but I said, you know yeah. what, it, does, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking before about holding space, and you know, it's it's one thing to hold space. It's it's another thing when people overstay their welcome, for example. Mm-hmm. And I've got a room. I've got two rooms to clean. I've got people to. Yeah to to check out and sell their floats to and check the yeah. ne- the next people in i had a guy one time come out of the tank his mind was blown away he had a great time and he sat there for five hours and watched me come and go and two or three other couples came in by the time oh, he, no. he was completely oblivious to the fact that 
you know, he was, he was completely unconscious to the fact that I was overwhelmed because mm-hmm. I'd go back. It was just me. I was cleaning the room, checking the people in, uh, checking them out. And then all, all the talking to him about the deep God stuff in between. So yeah, you gotta be somebody special if you yeah. run a float center and, and, and hold that kind of space for people. Yeah. And I've realized, you know, a strength that you can embrace is respect for yourself. And part of that is setting your own boundaries. How, how would you disentangle yourself from somebody that's just feeling so open that they just want to share and share and share and stay all day? Well, I learned to tell them to their face it's time to go. Yeah. I learned to be like, you know what? Uh, there's a certain point where it's like, okay, five minutes, that's maybe a little rude, but five hours. I mean, I could have said four hours ago, it's time to go, bro. And I still wouldn't have felt bad, but I mean, at that point, I had my friends there too that were just, yeah. we had just opened the place and they wanted to, I was really trying to impress them with my level of presence and enlightenment. And I thought, like, and, and honestly, maybe now, now that I'm thinking about it, that me trying to put on such a show is what kept them there to a degree because I, and mm-hmm. I was like, I was so entertained by entertaining him, by being able to give him the answers he seemed blown away by, which were just common sense stuff to me. but. Again, when you turn the light on in a dark room, you realize there's a lot of stuff there that you didn't potentially realize was there before, yeah. especially like right in front of your face. So, but yeah, floating's changed my life. Um, I know living there, this is a an unintended as- uh, benefit of floating. If you own one or if you do it more than two or three times a week, you will lose weight. Have you noticed that? With the, you ever do it enough where you have weight loss? No, not specifically. What do you think that that's just being in the salt? What do you think? I think it's a. I think it's some kind of yes, the physical salt and a little bit of dehydration. But mm-hmm. I also think that there is something metaphysical going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I've had the inverse happen with hypnotherapy, where I would go to this hypnotherapist, and I was like, eh, on the fence about it. But I was able to relax enough where it was able to take hold, and and I was able mm-hmm. to experience it as a truth. But what really got me was the first time I went in there. And the office was pretty cold. I would get into the into the deep, relaxed state, and I'd have to really pee bad. And I'm like, okay, stop the session. I gotta go. I just no way I yeah. can hold this. I gotta I gotta go. And the next session, I'm like, I'm not drinking any water. I'm gonna be nice and warm. There's no way I'm gonna have my session interrupted with, you know, the urge to urinate. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, I'm deep down in a trance again, and boom. I got to pee. And this time I go to pee. I'm like, this is impossible. I got, I'm dehydrated. I, the, 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 it was uh, just, it was crystal clear. Right. So, you know, if you've been holding your pee all day, it's usually a little more yellow than not. Mm-hmm. Well, this, this was tons of it and it was crystal clear. I couldn't yeah. believe it. I'm like, okay, I don't know what this is about, but uh, whatever. I, I go back for another session, even more dehydrated. Same thing. So what I come and realize is it's some kind of metaphysical release, some mm-hmm. kind of, some kind of weird liquid inside of me that, because these were sessions too, where where I was tremoring, like I was releasing stuff through the hypnotherapy. It really mm-hmm. worked. I, I I believe in it. Like it yeah. was something something, and and it was definitely. So that's like the inverse, like right? this 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 fluid that I didn't even know was inside mm-hmm. of me was being released, and, and I think that's also what's happening in the float. It's the inverse, which is you know it's taking that stuff in its own way, like mm-hmm. a meta a metaphysical release that you can't really quantify or measure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you so think happened? What do you think's happening in the float tank? 
Oh my, well, I, like I said, I think it's an opportunity for you to get a main line directly into your subconscious. And it does feel like a sort of magic, but every time I go in there, I don't overthink it. And my brain just attends to whatever I need. Sometimes it's physical. Sometimes it's solving a problem. Sometimes it's creativity. And I just, for once in my life, shut my mouth and sit back and allow my subconscious to lead in a way that my ego just never lets it do. And you're right. I think it's got far reaching effects when you get out, you know, maybe you're standing up taller, maybe you're just emotionally lighter. Oh yeah. Um, You'll take the best yeah. selfie you've ever taken in your life out. And, and outside the best the tank. sleep of uh, the best oh, night yeah. of sleep. <laughs> yeah. There's the, when you get out of the tank, your whole world changes, especially if you're really unconscious. If you're very, if you're, if you're a relatively conscious person, if you've done some work, you're doing psychedelics, you're in that headspace, yeah, you'll, you'll experience something for sure. But if you're unconscious, which is really what happened to me, was it really clicked on something that I got a taste of the divine and I said, I got to have more. I don't care what it costs. Uh, I have to get back into that space again. Mm -hmm. And you're not always guaranteed to get into any space. It's, it's like doing psychedelics. It's very much like mushrooms where sometimes a mushroom trip can be just pure audio, right? You can mm -hmm. hear weird sounds. You have like Superman hearing. You can hear across <laughs> the city. Um, or sometimes it's like totally, you just feel it, right? It's just your you, your skin feels a certain way. Buzzing, yeah. You know, you don't. You're not. You're not guaranteed any any kind of repeatability with trips. I've done mm -hmm. that many times. Try to set the conditions. But it's like that saying, you you can't go through the same river twice, neither you or the river are the same. Mm. So, you know, you're not eating the same psychedelic you ate before. Your biochemistry is not the same. All these variables are different. So it's impossible to get back into that space, um, mm -hmm. ex except usually through grace. But floating, yeah. I mean, that was what I also liked about floating. And and, and towards the end, I smoked a ton of weed. So I, I would prefer sober floating. I don't know. Do you smoke weed? I don't, and I'm not opposed to it. It just, it seems like my brain receptors don't react to it well. And I get pretty instantly paranoid no matter how little right. I smoke. So it just hasn't really served me in the way that psychedelics have. So well, what I would I, say to somebody like you is, and I'm not guaranteed, I don't say you should do this at all. I'll probably never do this, but the reason you're paranoid is you haven't smoked enough. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, if you get, so yeah, I never get, I I never get paranoid because it's become a way of life. Like, okay, so mm -hmm. you got to think about, okay, paranoid. So usually there's also reasons to the paranoia. For example, yeah. if you are illegally smoking, right? If you're in a state, your job doesn't allow it. If you're doing something you subconsciously, unconsciously think is wrong, that can lead to paranoia. Like if you think you're in a state where you could go to jail for it and you're out there, you know, taking chances with it that paranoia is understandable or mm. if you're if you're 13 14 15 years old you're not supposed to be smoking weed uh but your parents are in the other room or or they could be coming home any minute that's a reason to be paranoid so mm. you have to look so for me it's like okay man i've got a medical card i'm in a, i'm legal um nobody's going to come and take me take me to jail for doing this so that's that as a paranoid thought doesn't exist for me but for mm. a lot of people that exists like somebody they know or their job or the law is going to catch them and they're going to be judged or they're going to lose their job or they're going to lose their freedom. Mm -hmm. and, and so well, I know what when I smoked weed in my early 20s, when it was still illegal here, that was a that was always in the back of my mind, which is why I stopped smoking, because every time I ride around, ride around with my friends, they would, you know, oh, the police are coming. There's a cop. And mm -hmm. 
you know, so it totally ruins everything. You know, mm -hmm. you're it's illegal. You're young. You don't know, you know. So, but here's the thing. It's also about, yeah, just like the straight up the dose, right? You've never smoked it. You're smoking weed. You're high as a kite and you're having all these thoughts. And yeah, some of these thoughts about maybe how you lived your life a certain way, you know, the thoughts that arise from the weed can make you paranoid. Mm -hmm. and, and there may not even be any weight behind any of that stuff. But mm -hmm. if you smoke enough weed, that becomes your state of being and you, mm. you, you never get paranoid again. Mm -hmm. So I, I think a lot of people, and that's a good thing. I think certain people shouldn't be in this domain 24 seven, maybe, maybe nobody, but mm -hmm. if your body's saying, you know, one hits enough, I'm paranoid. I don't want to do this. There's something to mm -hmm. that. I think that's some kind of self-protection potentially, mm -hmm. but you can totally override that by just taking huge amounts of it all the time. And it becomes like anything else. Like a, it's like a the, the amazing drunk, right? That can drink uh, a handle of vodka, <laughs> and you you wouldn't know, right? But if you drank yeah. a fifth of vodka, you'd be stumbling, if not in the emergency room. Yeah, yeah. You know, we would I, know. Yeah, we could spend hours talking about that too. I just feel like the way that our culture embraces alcohol in such a an in your face. It's like you could go to a children's birthday party, and if they're not handing out drinks you know people are like what's wrong with you but it's just i've found that it's so detrimental physically to my body and the people in my life so yeah i'm all about plants all well, day well that's the thing yeah vanity <laughs> keeps me away from alcohol because of the skin it destroys like okay mm -hmm. for if somebody wants to stay young looking i'm a, i don't do anything cosmetically added on right so i mm -hmm. look pretty good for my age a lot of times i can pass for half my age a lot of times I'll even get ID and stuff or like liquor. And, <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, IDs. Yeah, it can be awesome, but sometimes yeah. it's not. Um, but the reason, the number one thing that causes people to age, number one thing, I, and it could be, we could argue with the, about this, but stress. So first Absolutely. of all, find a way to not be stressed. Just take everything off the table. I mean, I'm to the point where I'm not even stressed about God or the afterlife, stuff like that. Like mm -hmm. no stress for me zero. Mm -hmm. I don't live in a state of stress because I know God is ever abundant and I always have what I need and it's all good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I've achieved that perspective to understand that that is everybody's possibility. They choose to live in their own hells. Mm -hmm. so, and then, then it becomes, to, then it comes down to, okay, yeah, you're not stressed all the time and putting undue like energy through your, through your system. Like that's what you're doing when you're stressed. Mm -hmm. And okay. Alcohol, smoking, the sun damage, like sun to a point, sun's healthy. And then it gets to a point like anything else. Okay. You're cooking yourself now. It's, it's damaging your skin. You know, I'm a Floridian, so we get lots of sun down here, yeah. but you know, number one thing is stop stressing. Number two, stop drinking alcohol, <laughs> stop smoking. Even, even weed, it ages you. I hate to admit it, but it does. <laughs> There's nothing because anything that has an energetic cost is going to age you. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I hadn't that, considered that, that. That's just a simple like arithmetic there. Like, okay, sugar. It's gonna sugar ages the shit out of everybody. Mm -hmm. And it's every it's in everything. And it's like the oh. it's the it's the permitted crack of the society. Like For sure. are, stimulants are what is permitted in the society, really. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, so you work hard, you know, coffee to work, amphetamines to work. You know, gotta pay attention, gotta have the ADHD stuff. I'm I I'm guilty myself mm -hmm. of a little Adderall, at le legal meth. <laughs> but we give it to kids right you know i get yeah. it if you need to focus a little bit but damn to have a kid gets it for breakfast every day yeah and that's the same thing it's like a kid is like methed out every day but he doesn't even feel it just like the drunk with the handle of liquor or 
you have Snoop Dogg with his blunts, you know, like that would like if my mom smoked a tenth of I just one if my mom took one hit, she'd be on the ground, like incapacitated. I mm-hmm. wish that was the case for me. I can't even get that way with a hundred thousand pounds of weed. You right. Know? Yeah. Do you take stints of of not smoking at all and going back to I it try to. Sense? I just enjoy it so much that it's hard to. Yeah. I mean, I, I did there for a while and then mm-hmm. I, went, I went and partied this weekend and I'm back on it. But yeah. Um, but yeah, do you ever, have you ever mixed any psychedelics with your float experiences? Yes. Yeah. Um, let's hear about mushroom, that. Mushrooms and little capsules. In fact, I've, I've taken a couple friends. Well, that's one of my favorite things to do, right. Is introduce people to floating, not necessarily under any influence, but I've had a couple friends that really enjoy psilocybin anyway. And I've brought them and they're like, oh my goodness, what a perfect setting to enjoy, uh, you know, to enjoy psychedelics and mushrooms. And you just pop a couple tab or a couple of the little capsules before you go in. Nothing crazy, like a gram. And it's like a movie theater, right? Like this black space, this black, quiet space. It's like your brain just projects everything out of your eyes and plays it for you over and over again. And it can be either, you know, terrifying or wonderful, but I've never had a a bad experience in the tank. It's more amplified, but, but never truly unpleasant. So that's been fun. Oh, you've been lucky. You, you haven't done it enough if you haven't had an unpleasant Maybe one. not. Yeah, maybe not. Or or, maybe not or, or or the dose hasn't been high enough, which is, right. you know, I had access to a float tank for two years at night, every night, weekends. Mm-hmm. I was doing LSD mushrooms every other night in the float, Every not every night, every other weekend. Sometimes every weekend, you know, I wouldn't wait for the tolerance. I would just mm-hmm. double the dose, right? And just, mm-hmm. hey, we're going in again tonight. I'd have, I'd have every once in a while I'd have an experience where I didn't take enough acid mm. or mushrooms and I'd lay in the tank and I was like, my body was like trying to dissolve, but I couldn't quite just die completely. And it was like miserable because then you could feel yourself like dying, but you can't quite die. It was like, yeah. like choking or something. It's hard to explain in the float tank, but I'd have experiences where, because I lived in the float center, we had two different tanks and sometimes I would wake up and I would think I was in the other tank or hmm. the, the first time I moved into the first night I moved into the float center, I took acid and I talked to both of the float tanks. I mean, I took two tabs and I was doing it for like a, a full 12 hour, a, a real trip. And I really got to know the tanks and they introduced mm-hmm. their personalities and they told me how they want, needed to be operated and mm-hmm. some I never told anybody, but yeah, I, I really bonded with the float tanks on acid the first real night I spent there. Mm-hmm. And so then do you take breaks and get out and walk around? Because that can be a fun trip too, is discovering the center itself. Well, that well, yeah, I've never been able to spend more than probably three or four hours in the tank. Mm-hmm. Even though I had access to it to sleep in it, I can yeah. never go Dracula style. And I've only met one person that could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was always you're laying there after a couple hours and, you know, I, I, I'm a, I like to toss and turn. That That would be something... You'd have to train yourself to, which would be laying on your back. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. sleep on their back. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, so what's, what's happening is if you're in there for an, any any amount of time, you can be in there 10 minutes and your body just wants to turn. Yeah. And, and then you realize, no, 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 you can't do that. And then you're, you know, you wake up because you've splashed your face with water somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to give that a try. I sleep pretty corpse-like, just right on my back. Just, well, yeah, know, if you're already, well, that was the thing, off. like, that floating can really train you to sleep like that, but it definitely, like, 
for most people that would want to try and do this, they they wouldn't be able to because their body is not trained to lay like that. And then also to lay like that in basically a waterbed, right? So you just, because mm-hmm. the minute you fall asleep, your body doesn't know where you are. And it's like, what? And the, you know, it wants to grab onto something or mm-hmm. you splash the water and that, you know, brings you back into your body awareness. The real trick is like any meditation. So for any meditator, that can't meditate because they fall asleep, they're sleep deprived. That is your body showing you that, hey, you're taking a chance to relax. I'm going to take the opportunity to get this rest that you're depriving me of. This is what's happening in the tank for most people because they are seriously, you know, sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is the most, your body's like, oh my God, this is the deepest relaxation I've ever felt ever. You know, and I've got Epsom salt pumping into the skin and all this stuff. It's nice and warm. The body's like loosening up. The joints are, you know, like like a you know nicely cooked ribs just sliding the meat <laughs> sl- sliding off the bone. You're laying there. I don't know if you, this has happened. I've laid there many times in the morning, you know, five and six o'clock in the morning before my day starts, trying to loosen up, and I can hear everything just pop right where it needs to go. Mm, and, and you ever mm-hmm. hear that? Just like random. So satisfying. <laughs> So what are some other tips you would give to some first time floaters? Okay. So yeah, it's my first float. What do you, what should I do? Usually I say, um, give yourself several hours. I think people sort of underestimate the full robust experience and they're like, yeah, I don't know. I got an hour. Like I'll go over there and I'll do it. They, they pop in right before it's time to go. They float and then they feel mm-hmm. obligated to run out. I would truly recommend that people give it at least a few hours, get there unwind you know a couple places that i've been they have these really beautiful practices of like bringing you in sitting you down just talking to you for a couple minutes and just kind of helping you cast off the outside before you come into their space just making you comfortable here take your shoes off let's chat whatever um you know go in there and then i think the whole idea of a post float lounge is really wonderful i don't know if your center embraced that you know i was i was against that because i was about getting it flipped for the next person and not because yeah. here's the thing. Like I, I love talking to people if I can give you my undivided attention, but one thing I hate more than anything is sitting there with a dirty towel in my hand or, you know, a mop bucket, you know, about to go in this room and somebody won't stop, won't be conscious enough to realize they have to stop talking. I, their story's yeah. great, but I have to keep moving. <laughs> and so th- that was the main reason I wouldn't want to ever do a float center again, because you know, yeah. it's, it's the people aspect of it, yeah. And, you know, if I wanted to do it again, it would be like a private club, not right. open to the public. You yeah. pay and it's a unique experience. But, you know, that requires you having enough money to, you know, not need every person to come through the door. Because I don't know about you and what you know about it. But in my experience, the float center, the float industry, and this is my warning, really, to anybody that wants to get into it. it you're not going to make a ton of money. It's right. a lot of overhead. There's a lot of variables that can go wrong. Um, the equipment's expensive. And so it's a hard sell. I'm not trying to sh- kill anybody's dreams. I've, I've, I'm telling you, I've lived it. I've seen other people do it. I've seen a lot of people get in and get out. I've seen a lot of people get burned. Mm-hmm. I, I see people that are still in there carrying the flag, doing a great job. Um, but I know it's thankless work, a lot of it. Um, and uh, yeah, you do all this effort and then somebody comes in and they hate it and they give you a bad review, even <laughs> though it was totally their fault. They didn't show up for it the right way. They didn't know what they were getting into. Their girlfriend dragged them or something into it. Um, but I know before the pandemic, so many float centers were struggling. Mm-hmm. Pandemic killed a lot of them off. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot for sale. 
still um, right. a, a lot that have lost their identity. So there's a lot of float centers out there. I know right now that are for sale and that need some TLC, but mm-hmm. be warned because there's a reason they failed. You know, there's yeah. a reason that location wasn't good or, you know, sometimes you have a death in the family or you realize this isn't for me. You know, you have all the money in the world, but it's just, Hey, I don't want to do this. I don't want to clean filters with cube hairs in them twice a week because I, mm-hmm. you know, you, you minimum you're pulling these filters out of these tanks, these giant filters, as long as a human leg mm-hmm. and they're covered in pubes and, and biofilm, <laughs> AKA, yeah. you know, piss and jizz and whatever else. Yeah. I remember I had to hop in a pool once to help a friend. Uh, someone had gotten in with freshly black dyed hair oh, yeah. and the water. Oh, it was just putrid. You're right. You are literally dealing with, you know, in, in, anything. I, I never had a code brown. Body. Exactly. I never had a code <laughs> brown. Thank God. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody number two in the tank. I, I've caught men jerking off, not like caught them, open the door and see them doing it. But I could tell that it would, you know, they had done that in the tank. Mm-hmm. Because here's what happened with jizz. <laughs> I don't know if this is even something we should talk about because it might turn a lot of people off. But I'm just going to be honest and tell you the story. Yeah. So there was this one guy that would come in. So when you when you jizz in the tank, it's kind of like looks like snot or rope, like a ropey snotty thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, from my experience, not that I blast him in the tank all the time, but you know, you want to find out what that's like. So other people, if they're doing it, you know what you know potentially it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. stuff like that and i've also read a million stories online with these other float center owners and operators that i was friends with and so this one guy would come in and so after everybody would get out of the tank usually while you're taking a shower we would run the filter so mm-hmm. we could so we could get a lot of that filtration done because it's about 15 minutes of filtering to get that entirety through the filtration system and that's no problem that's usually how every float center is operating so you have to run while the person's in the room. You don't really get a chance to to, to check on the tank, really. Some of these centers mm-hmm. won't do that. They have to see what's in the tank water before they run the filter. They don't want any excess hair, you know, jizz in this case. Uh, they want to see what's in the water before the filtration system runs. And I don't blame them. Yeah. If you if you have that luxury of time, one hundred percent. But this guy, and I don't uh, I don't think he listens to the podcast. I'm not going to say his name or anything, but he might know. But so one day he's in there and I hear all these noises coming from the tank room, like moaning and the water splashing. I'm like, uh Oh, and I say, you know what? I always run the filter on this guy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to run the filter on this guy today. I'm going to see what we got going on in there. Cause I heard the moaning and the splashing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done it if I didn't hear the moaning and the splashing. So he gets out of the room and I haven't run the filter yet. And I could tell, like, he's nervous. He's looking yeah. he's, he's Oh, acting, he knows. He's yeah. acting different. And I'm like, how was the float, man? He's like, oh, it's great. He's like, and usually he's really talkative. This time, no, he's got to go, which is fine. Because I've got to see if I'm correct. Yeah. Sure enough, uh-oh, SpaghettiO. <laughs> got some white string, white little mm. bit of white stringy stuff in there. So, yeah, the I caught him. And after that, he never did it again. Wow. Because well, I never, because I, I always made sure that with him, I wasn't going to run the fil- the filtration system. Yeah. He was going to be caught every time. Yeah. I've been to a lot of places where in their contract now, in their opening paperwork, they have an explicit, you know, no bodily fluids in the tank clause at, at the threat of 
Oh yeah, we had know, that too. A thousand dollars. Yeah, thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever matter. had to? Have you ever had to charge somebody for? Okay, so the funny thing was, like the last day, I didn't know exactly it was going to be my last day, but I could tell I was a dead man walking for a while. But the last day, I didn't know it was going to be my last day. But this woman came in, and uh, I'm not going to describe her, but her hair. Mm, it was very iffy, but it was very mm -hmm. hard to tell what was going on with the hair because it was very dark hair. Mm -hmm. But like I had one, I had one with Ronald McDonald red hair, look, fill the wave route, didn't even read the part. Right. <laughs> I'm like, honey, I go, wait a minute. I go, you're, you're handing me this back. I go, didn't you not read the part with the hair? You're, you look like Ronald McDonald. Didn't yeah, that's not natural. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I go, when did you have this done? She's like, oh, two days ago. I go, no, no, no. Two weeks is like the minimum. Yeah. And so my next to last my last day actually is my last day and this woman comes in and she fills out the form and she's got a she's not marge simpson but it's a marge simpson type beehive <laughs> but she's not white either yeah. um you know it's ethnic beehive okay she gets out of the tank i go in the room and again this is one of those situations where you know i've already done the filtering the person's long gone because usually the filtration is going on the room's sitting there all dirty and they're in there talking to me at the register you know and then i get to go check out the rooms when the people are actually gone gone and so i go in the room this one's long gone and there is a blue a giant blue ring around oh. the whole she had some kind of blue shit in her hair and i <sighs> could not get it out and i told my business partner at the time who the next day fired me because i was too awesome right because mainly it was because about politics it wasn't because about okay. flirting because people loved me i kept the place awesome and clean and balling yeah. out of control they're not doing too great now that's another story for another time but that was my last day i said okay you don't want to call this woman and have her pay for this she's like no don't worry about it i'm like all right well mm. i think i still think there's a blue uh line to this day <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible it yes. is one, one, one person can ruin like a, a twenty-five thousand dollar tank right and so gross because because i'm sure you exhausted a lot of resources or oh did. i did no Try no that was the thing that. like yeah. the, the, the the night the day okay it's because i was living there or no i wasn't living there still at the time but i was still getting there at like five in the morning because i would float no matter what in the morning and then just get the float to, float center ready well this morning i was there with yeah every trick in the book trying to get this you know blue line out and then i get out of the tank and she's like oh you know you're fired blah 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 and we just go at it for about an hour but yeah, I'm glad, uh, you know, so anybody that wants to do a float center, like, God bless you. Yeah, P people need it. But the general public's a nightmare. And people don't I got that hiccups. People don't know what they're getting into. A lot of them, mm -hmm. they, you know, they're on a date, nothing like a 500 pound man that wants to get in your float tank or a disabled woman that my business partner's mm -hmm. like, Oh, yeah, you got uh, MS or whatever. I think or Lou Gehrig's disease or whatever. She could barely walk and stuff. I, had a, wow. I literally, I literally, I'm like, you know, what? this is on you. you. You let this woman stay here and, and float. God bless her. Like she's a beautiful woman. And but she can't even walk. Like it took an hour right. to get, it took an hour to get to the float, into the float tank. Ugh. And I'm like, uh, I'm going on my lunch break. And I, when I'm come back, I don't, I, I hope she's gone. Like, God bless her. Yeah. I don't want to be nothing. And when I came back an hour later, cause we had like blocked off half the day for this woman. Um, because my business partner wasn't thinking at all. I'm like, oh yeah, let's just let any handicapped person in the world just come in here and just you know, take half the day to float. I mean, again, nothing yeah. against these people, but like you had to be reasonable. You need to be able to get in and get out. And like, so yeah, I come back from my lunch break. And her, her son comes running out and he's like, oh, no, we, we were going to call the fire department. Um, she can't get out of the tank. And this is I think what does she have like MS or something? But mm -hmm. she loved the float, of course. 
but she was like a dead body laying there. She was complete mm-hmm. dead weight. Mm-hmm. And my business partner, a woman and her 10 year old son, while I was gone, could not manage to get this woman moved at all. And there's nothing like trying to lift, you know, what, 150 pounds of dead weight right? Uh, on salty, wet, you know, picking a wet, Uh-oh. salty, and she had oh, a bathing yeah. suit on. She wasn't Slippery. naked, thank God. Yeah. She, yeah, she had a, a one piece, but thank God she wasn't naked. Mm-hmm. Nothing like a, 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 a just a dead weight naked person flopping around in your arms. That's what I was envisioning. I'm, I'm but glad. No, she, no, I, made, I made her, I made her. I said, before you go in there, you have to wear a bathing suit in case we yeah. have to go in there and get you. Yeah. Um, oh, you knew. Well, well, uh, you know, I knew before, but my my yeah. bleeding heart liberal again. It's the politics is the reason I'm not there anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, like everything that, well, I'm not going to get into that. I'll keep that a mystery for the listeners. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I had to go in there and deadlift this woman. I, I'm like, look, yeah. if, uh, you're gonna if if I slip, if I if I hurt you, I go, you know, don't don't sue me. Yeah. But I I prayed and um. I was able to like extract her to the point, like get her butt up on the rim of the tank. And so she could kind of self-support and then slowly, but surely mm-hmm. got her out of there. And, yeah. and again, it wasn't, I didn't tell this woman to come in there. It was, I'm picking up somebody else's, uh, you know, problem they created fixing their mess. But mm-hmm. that's the thing, like the general public, you don't know what you're getting into. I had women come out of that float tank, like I had a woman come in shaking. All right. And then she could barely get into the room. She was in the room for like, Oh, she was in the room an hour. Mm-hmm. And, but I never heard the tank door go down. I never heard the music go on or off. Nothing. <laughs> and then the hour's over. And this woman is, she's still shaking and stuff. And she pops her head through the window or the door. And she says, uh, I never floated. Are you still going to charge me? I'm like, <laughs> uh, I was just, I didn't care about that at all. My, one of my yeah. rules is this. If you have a float center, here's what I recommend. You know, once you get it set up, it doesn't cost nothing really. I mean, it does cost a lot, but really, if somebody comes in, they have a bad float, I would just give it mm-hmm. to them for free. I would, right. I would never, I never, ever, not that they had too many of them, but if somebody had an issue with the float, and usually it was me like fucking up somehow, like I turned the light on early or something, or mm-hmm. I was smoking weed in the back and I didn't pay attention, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, if I ever screwed up a course, it's on me. But even if they had a even if I did everything right and they didn't like it, it's so much better to give that float away for free than to have somebody right. get on there and make a bad review. Oh, 100%. Especially when it really when 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 you got it all figured out, the cost of the float was like maybe 10-15 bucks versus yeah. a versus a bad review. So did she let you know why she never ultimately got in? Just mental. She couldn't do it. And she didn't she was too embarrassed to tell me um mm-hmm. But I, you would, you know, you never know it was going to come out of the door. If they made mm-hmm. it through the whole time, 90% of the time, they were going to be glowing. You know, the post-folk glow, you feel great. Life yeah. is awesome. Perspective has been shift, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but every once in a while, it's like I had an accident or, 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 or they want kids like at a certain age, like the mom or, or the dad would have to go in the room with the kid and like watch the kid float. Like you couldn't just leave the kid alone in there. Yeah. And then we'd let, then we'd let um, teenagers come unaccompanied under 18 at a certain age and even mm-hmm. then i was like i was like iffy about that you know did it's you just, have a lot of success with floating kids yeah uh, if the kid knows what it is and is willing to be still if they love it mm-hmm. if, if they don't know what they're getting into it's a it's a crap shoot but if they <laughs> some of these kids are like super star seed rainbow indigo children that mm-hmm. are super advanced for their age mm-hmm. and they're like craving the float tank i met many yeah. of a star seed that 
enjoyed floating that was 10 mm-hmm. and 10 between 10 and 18. yeah but That's yeah really it, cool. it, it 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 was very rewarding in a but here's another thing i'll say yeah i put two years in there i helped as many people as i could and i stayed extra hours i went the extra mile i gave away a lot of blood sweat and tears and yeah. guess what when i got out of there nobody cared nobody followed me anywhere Nobody, you know, maybe a handful of people who were already my friends in real life before the float center. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, you know what? I, I may have made maybe even significant changes in some of these people's lives, but they didn't care about me after the fact. Nobody, wow. nobody, nobody followed me. Nobody, you know, like, okay, somebody else is working the float center. I don't care, you know, like, yeah. but they weren't going the extra mile with them like I was, but. So you, you, so you given, given the ahead. chance, would you do it again or knowing that it was sort of thankless? Would you say nah, I wouldn't do it? I wouldn't try to do yeah. it commercially on a big scale. Yeah. I would do it if I had the money privately. Yeah. Um, with, you know, me hosting people from time to time. Right. But I would never probably want to do it on a we only had two tanks, too. Some of these places have like five, six tanks. And they throw one person there to do it. Like, that's the other thing, too, because like floating is an interesting thing because you've got five, 10 minutes, 15 minutes at the most of like setting up a tank for somebody and then putting a minute. And then you've got an hour of downtime. Like, you know, as right. an owner, as an owner, you know, you're, you're not getting paid or you're getting paid no matter what. So you're just sitting there and you're doing the extra work because you're the owner. But yeah. it would, th- then becomes the challenge of as the owner, you want to move out of there. You don't want to be there all the time. I mean, that was never my thing. Cause I love being there hands-on. Like mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a general on the battlefield, but a lot of people just want to set it and forget it. You know, they want the mm-hmm. income stream. They want to have access to a float tank. Um, and it, 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 then it becomes tricky because you've got these employees who are going to sit there and do their homework, right? You know, you, you know you're know, you not going to be there to watch them all the time. They're going to be right. on the phone. They're going to do their homework. Although yeah. you, like, you like to slave labor them for the entire eight hours. <laughs> even, right. then, even then, after you fold all the towels and the facilities clean, there's nothing to do. Right. So yeah. it's, this, it's this weird thing of like, you know, you have to have a certain amount of employees because you want to have a life, but you want to make money. But then, mm-hmm. you know, have employees in certain states, you got to pay them benefits and, you know, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. It, and from and what then, I've seen from some of the places that I've been, the people that they're bringing in are usually like college age or sort of entry level. And the structure doesn't seem to allow to be able to pay people a lot to live so you want these quality employees but you also kind of understand some of them are just going to move on just naturally well, after that's the a thing they don't two. have a vested interest in your thing yeah. so you know they're going to get their paycheck for a couple weeks couple months maybe a couple years if you're lucky and then they move mm-hmm. on exactly so a lot of the float centers i would see would be you've got a few models you've got the mom and pop the husband and wife the, or the in my case two business two two friends or two business partners the the mom the husband and wife ones work really good um those uh, some of those have stayed around the longest some of these franchise mm-hmm. um you know like there's a few franchises out there you can buy into already and you can have mm-hmm. somebody walk you through it to a yeah. degree there's all kinds of resources online for building your own just for your own personal use mm-hmm. but again buy something pre-existing you know find a friendly state for some of these states are more friendly than others for floating and the industry and setting up more tanks and treating mm-hmm. it like a pool yeah regulating it mm-hmm. and then there's the customers and then you've got to sell it and then you've got competition that might try to poach off your like one of the reasons why i never advertised for the float center i was at was i was already pushing so much float content with float universe i'm like I'm not giving people more free content to compete against me with because that's what people online would do they would mm-hmm. just take my ad or they would take, mm. uh, we would never do 
Groupon, but they would take our pictures and stuff and use and use that against us on Groupon. I'm like, all right. Yeah. So oh, I heard Groupon sucked to work with. That was probably for the best that you yeah, can engage in that. No, well, that was the thing. Yeah, you, you they just it's, it was never worth it. The, okay, the only way you can win with Groupon is to raise the price of your service over your retail price mm-hmm. on, on Groupon. And then when they buy the Groupon, they say, oh, come in and just pay the normal price, which is actually cheaper. You know, you have to yeah. like, you have to inflate it. You can't sell it for less than it's already worth. But yeah, if you're going to do floating, you have to do it for passion. And I've been there and done it. I got to have a free ride. I didn't even have to pay the bill. I was the one mm-hmm. that was the, the, I wasn't the money man, but I was the blood, sweat and tears person. And mm-hmm. I, and I, and I brought people in, I had the name, I had the clout. Um, mm-hmm. But I was doing the job of like five people. And I, and again, it was a passion for me. I loved it, but you know, well, you know, I don't have any money in the bank to show for it. And, and the, like the friends I made, they don't care. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. I, I got yes. my experience out of it. It was awesome. I lived in a float yeah. center. I did tons of psychedelics and had uh, innumerable, uh, you know, special experiences with all kinds of meme people and B-list celebrities mm-hmm. and uh, people from Orlando <laughs> that would come in and check it out in the news That's and stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, doing my Instagram lives. It was great. Like I, it, it was lovely, but yeah, if I had a million dollars, I would maybe build my own little thing and make it a private mm-hmm. club and yeah. make it really for the, you know, the real ones that want to, you know, come once or twice a week. It's a little family. I don't want it to be like McDonald's. I want it to be, I want it to be boutique and expensive. Yeah. And I, and I, and I know like, you know, that's not revolutionary. Like something should be in the hands of everybody. Like you should have, ac- everybody should have access to it. But here, here was my problem. Like the lower end, they didn't, they didn't care. They didn't understand it. It was, it was too hard to sell them on it. And they were just like, at the end of the day, just dirty. Mm. They would smell. They would, uh, leave stuff in the tank like and that was the thing you learned about Groupon too we never did Groupon but it's like the worst people do Groupon the mm-hmm. cheapest dumbest dirtiest people do Groupon they just want to deal just want to extract as much from something as they can say they've been mm-hmm. there done that and never do it again and so you wouldn't see a lot of repeat with mm-hmm. Groupon you, right so I mean but some people would say like well it's an opportunity to show you know, get your product in the face of somebody who would never see it otherwise. And that would happen from time to time. Yeah. But you're right. For the most part, that's not, it's not worth it. It's not the clientele you want, you know, like, yeah, like the truth is flowing is about self-improvement, I believe. And you should have to be able to, you you should reach for it, Like you won't take it. uh, You won't value it as much if you don't pay for as, as much, like, you know what I mean? Like, Yes, is yes. Floating can be expensive, but I think when you reach a, 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 an abundance mindset, stuff like that mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Because that's where I was when I started floating. I'm like, you know what? This is an abundance mindset thing. I need this. It makes me feel better. And yeah. if I feel better, I can produce more, and I can make more money. I can right. be a, a better person. So I don't want to introduce, you know, pearls to swine. You know, I don't want mm-hmm. somebody to be like, I'm going to come funky up your tank with my smell, and then just not even care about coming back ever again. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd love to serve the the world, but, you know, I think floating, I, I think psychedelics should be illegal. I like, I like them being illegal. That was a barrier of entry. You know, mm-hmm. you really mm-hmm. wanted to do this. You really wanted to self-explore. You got to take some risk. It's a little bit yeah. of illegality. Work or a little, for it. Yeah, ex- exactly. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's a cool mentality. Did your spot have any other sort of ancillary services? Do you believe in? Oh, you know, uh, come in. Yoga. We offered yoga. I never was a big believer in it. Um, 
because of the area we were in. I didn't like the the, the studio we were in. It ultimately never felt. I mean, the thing was, I could extend my arms and touch palm the ceiling. You know, so it's, <laughs> so it's, you know, and I'm six foot five, so it's not like I'm, I'm like the tallest person. But these were like really low ceilings, and I'm like, I can't mm. even fully extend. I don't feel comfortable in this room doing right. yoga. Yeah. So for me. I've always had this Steve Jobs mentality with doing something like do do one thing and do it great. Like right. don't sell a bunch of bullshit. Don't get into retail. Like if if I was going to do a float center tomorrow and I had to be for the, you know, on the streets in front of the people, I would make the floating as good as possible. Mm-hmm. I would have it at a competitive rate, but I wouldn't be cheap. I would sell one t-shirt <laughs> and that would be it. And I would have like, just concentrate on floating because yeah, you've got, people that sell candles or or another thing is they let the their float center get treated like um uh what do they call those shops where you can you let other people sell it for you um uh well you know what i'm talking about like not not a flea market but like those little like 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 consignment yeah consignment yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, a lot of these float centers are treated like a a new age consignment shop where right some stupid chick will come in and be like, oh, yeah, I sell crystal earrings. Can I sell some crystal earrings? Mm. Oh, and somebody else will be like, oh, I sell uh, Palo Santo scented candles. Can I put some here? Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, you're selling a bunch of bullshit for you're other people. You're just a dumping ground. Yeah, <laughs> because you're, you're, you're either not, you know, either you're stupid enough to think it looks good and you like that vibe, which I don't mm. agree with. Or you can't say no, which I'm not like that. No, I don't want it. So you're crap here. I used to have a ton of people that were like, let me put a flyer here. Let me do something. No, it's tacky. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't even care yeah. how great it is. Oh, you got a great design. I don't care. It's tacky. This is my float center. Or you go into some of these places and it's got like, and I get it. It's a coffee shop, but you've got like everybody's business card. Yeah. I, I don't know if some of these people are good or not. You know, you're vouching for all these people. I, you know. Right. Just because you walked in and asked, you know, handed yeah. me a stack. Oh, yeah, because you're a you're, you're a new age dude. I should put your yeah. yoga studio card on my thing. No, I'm good. So, like, keep it simple, stupid. Do one thing. Do it great. So be awesome at floating. Be the best yeah. at it. Offer competitive pricing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and you need three tanks. At least. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Two is not enough because what will happen with two is a lot of times groups will want to come in. Four, mm-hmm. four is preferred, but if I was doing a float center tomorrow, I would start out with three tanks and a and a room to grow and a room to put another, a fourth one in potentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if I had the master plan, that's exactly what I would do. Three tanks, and I would offer one would be a room because some people don't want to get in a pot, even though I want to I want to slap those people silly. Oh, I'm claustrophobic. Let me tell you something. Claustrophobia only happens uh, when you can see what's going on. Meaning, and you're in the dark, you can't tell that there's no walls. Oh, you know what? That's so interesting. So that's not something that bothers me, but I never considered that. Without the visual, is it really an issue? Some people, their minds are that powerful. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the last time you floated? Uh, I floated last week. I try to get, I try to make time for it. I would say every two weeks, if if not every week. Do you have a package, or do you just buy a la carte? Uh, I have a package at one place and then I, I try to keep it open because I do like to sort of travel around again. They're, they're popping up a lot more and yeah, some of them are shitty and some of them are good, but you know, in traveling around, I don't want to stick too much to one place. Cause I feel like my, I want to say my brand, I guess is about trying the other places. So I don't want to get pigeonholed and I just, you know, travel around a lot. 
Yeah, I'm gonna. I started doing. I've got three recorded, where I go to float centers and I just they don't know who I am or anything. Not that I'm anybody, but I don't introduce myself as anything. I just kind of just rev- take video and I review the yeah. float center very, you know, objectively. Now I like your website here. Your word of the day. Oh, <laughs> Ator- I started at- at- ataraxia, I think is the word. Ataraxia. Oh, that's today's word. Yes, you're right. Yeah, a so state of extreme calmness. And they don't actually, they don't have to be fluid centric words. They're just words that I encounter in my everyday life. And I'm like, oh, that's fun. You know, I've got a sort of, I just started this. Your mic, your mic's breaking up real bad. What's happening? Sorry, I get, I get really excited when we talk about certain things and I start rocking back and forth. So let me get myself back to a normal state. Is that, um, did it fix itself by me coming back towards my computer here? Uh, you know, I can't really, I can't hear the reference in my mind now if it's better or worse. So I'm just going to keep okay. going with it. It's okay. good enough. But, yeah, so the oh, site itself for, for a while was just a repository for the blog. And I really wasn't doing anything with the website. Not that I need to. Again, Your mic it's sounds just, great. Don't move. Okay. I promise I will not move my head. Um yeah, so the website itself, I just started to play around with different sections. And it's kind of like, you know, how amazing you are with memes. I have a feeling you were like, look, I really like floating and I really like humor and satire and memes. And I'm going to put them together because I feel like it. Um, that's sort of what I embraced with the website. It's like, you know what? I like literature and I like words and blogs. So that's what I'm going to fucking talk about because this is my website, you know? So I'm just slowly adding different facets to it, just wherever my interest is peaked. Um, and I'm just going to start talking about it there. So yeah, word of the day, book recommendations, stuff like that. I'm going to start pivoting away from just float talk as interesting as it is. You know, sometimes I just feel like talking about other things. So mm-hmm. that's where that's going to go. Very good. Yeah. Well, it was nice to reach out and see what was on the other side of the mirror with the the floating world. I haven't talked floating in a while, so it was nice to talk to somebody who knows what floating mm-hmm. is all about. Usually I'm explaining yeah. it to people who don't even know <laughs> what it is ever. They never heard of it. Still in this day, some people are like, what are you talking about? Wow. Yeah. But yeah. I've been, it's been around since the 50s and it's been in the mainstream now for at least 10, 15 years with Joe Rogan. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that was my gateway. I had been interested in it in as a kid when I saw it and like some of the earlier stuff, like Altered mm-hmm. States, the movie. Yeah. But until the late, the mid to late uh, 2000s here, we didn't really have access unless you lived in somewhere like New York or California or you knew somebody sure. with one because they're so rare. But Joe Rogan inspired so many people to try floating and a lot of guys the the guys that started the one that i eventually was at they were inspired by joe rogan so mm-hmm. as much as i'm not a fan of joe rogan anymore <laughs> he is a big part of the float world yeah yeah it's cool if you've got that platform to promote something as cool as floating and i don't know i think maybe not a lot of people outside of the floating world have heard of you but i think you're pretty big in your own right at this point oh so thank the you fact- yeah, so keep doing what you're doing and pumping out sort of the the humor and the, in its own way positivity by just, you know, staying true to yourself and bringing the laughs and bringing the social commentary. It's pretty cool. Well, thank you, Flow Girl. I appreciate that. Ah, you're it's so welcome. Just uh I just do what makes me laugh. I spread what's I find interesting or entertaining. Yeah. Mhm. 
and yeah, that's what's taken ten years of doing memes. And again, I didn't start with memes. I just said, I'm floating. I want to talk about this, but I have a whole professional life that I don't want to think is, you know, mixed with that. People think I'm crazy. I've gone <laughs> off the deep end. This was years ago when now I don't care at all. Everybody knows, but initially yeah. I always had this real professional life, and I'm like, I don't. Eh, I want to talk about this stuff, but I don't know if my you know, regular life is ready for this. So I created Float Universe as a way to express and explore all these new things that were opening up to me as uh, floating and psychedelics came in. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I have no, nobody's making memes about this. And then mm -hmm. I found one, one night I was sitting on Instagram when I was just like doing paintings and stuff on my iPad about floating. It was just Bruce Lee stuff and meditation and paintings. But then I saw this, it was called float meme. And I think it's still on Instagram and he has like nine. I can't remember how many memes and they weren't even really memes, some of them. But at that point I was like, okay, this is a way to talk about these things, spread mm -hmm. these ideas. And it, yeah, if you get into Terrence McKenna, this is exactly what he would be doing right now. If he was alive, he would be, mm -hmm doing psychedelic memes that was this whole thing <laughs> like spreading the idea of mushrooms yeah. and acid and blah 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 yeah. so yeah i didn't even start out doing memes another account was like float meme i'm like okay because i realized like none of the stuff i was doing was getting traction that was my issue mm -hmm. i'm like well nobody gives a shit about meditation or some uh you know painting i did on my ipad about floating like nobody cares Mm -hmm. but memes i realized memes were a good way if you were halfway decent to get traction like to get eyes to get people to share your content if you were funny if you could make them think or present an idea that they had never heard of mm -hmm. so that was why the memes actually started it wasn't nothing none of this has been planned to this conversation tonight i, I think yeah you've been on there now you said four years it seems like you've been on they're longer, but maybe there was other float women that had their own little, there was a few other women I think that have had their float brands. I, I've mm -hmm. run into a few other, like, and, and maybe I confused you for that, but you see, <laughs> you've, only, you, you've only been on there for four years though, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it definitely wasn't you. Cause some of these women were like right there when I was starting to, I'm like, okay, other people are into floating too. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. I'm sure there's a ton of people. And the cool thing about the floating world is there's room for everybody just to, you know, pick your own niche. Well, thank you for joining me tonight uh, to, to talk about floating. And I'm, I'm sure we'll have you back, uh, you know, as, as you continue to grow in your float uh, world and journey. You should start doing videos like me. Yeah. People yeah, want we'll videos. Have to talk about that. Yeah. They yeah. want they want uh, they want to go on YouTube and they want a face and they want personality and they want content. The content you crave. I love exactly. it. <laughs> That's what they want. That's yeah. what they want. Awesome. Thank you, Float. You're very welcome, Float Girl. You are enlightened. Have a great rest of your night and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. See ya. All right. Bye bye. Bye.
cancer and my name is Larry and I like a woman that loves everything and everybody and you know what ladies if you feel that this is you then this is what I want you to do <laughs> 